Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. So this morning I would uh, like to make a comment to you and see if you remember this phrase. Have you heard this phrase? These are the times that try men's souls. You ever hear that phrase? If you studied American history, you probably did. These are the times that try men's souls. Chief ideologue of the American Revolution, Thomas Paine, shortly after he arrived in the New World, literally on the run from England, wrote in his 1776 broadside, These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. And Payne's message, of course, was crystal clear. In fact, it was so clear that George Washington, the new commander of his equally new Continental Army, had issued instructions that Payne's pamphlet, The American Crisis, was to be read to every soldier in the field so as to inspire them to be ready to face some very tough, unpleasant, dangerous times coming at them almost immediately. There would certainly be death and destruction. There would be hunger, illness, penury, and injuries for others. And there was even the possibility of a traitor's death if they had the ill fortune to be captured by King George III's troops. So Thomas Paine wrote this phrase, these are the times that try men's souls. And you would probably agree with me that we are living in trying times. You feel that way? This world we're living in right now is upside down. And pressure is coming from every side. So I think I would also say with Thomas Paine that 2020, these are the times that try men's souls. But today, I have come to fortify your spirit and help you find faith in this trying time. Because not only are we facing trying times from what's happening in our world, but many of us in the Calvary Church, in our church family, are facing trying times personally and privately right now. But I've come with a message of hope today. Praise God. Amen. I'd like to turn your attention to John chapter 11, verse 22. And this is where I'll take the text from today, John eleven twenty two. This is the statement of Martha. She said, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. This verse comes from a very familiar story in the New Testament. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were all very dear friends of Jesus. And Jesus had stayed in their home in Bethany many times. John 11, I'd like to work through this chapter with you and read several of these verses. John chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And verse 3 says, Therefore the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. This family had a very close personal relationship with Jesus And when Lazarus got sick, they sent word to Jesus, who was several days away, to say, you know what, we want you to know that Lazarus is sick. He's not doing very well. When Jesus heard that, verse 4, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, and this is a odd statement here, but when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He didn't get up immediately and make his way to Bethany to come to the aid of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He stayed where he was for two days. And where he was was actually about two days away from Bethany. So Jesus discussed the situation with his disciples and informed them that they would go to see Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Verse 14 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. He was two days away, not at all where they were, but he knew that Lazarus had died. So he told his disciples, Lazarus is dead. And he said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. I want to thank Allison Field for helping me create the body of Lazarus uh, for this morning. And I did want to tell you in advance that we will not be raising Lazarus from the dead. So do not sit here worried about how this is going to happen. I did consider it, but I just couldn't come up with a plan. I have faith, but not quite that much. But anyway, this is our body of Lazarus this morning. And I called Sister Nancy Prophet because I knew that she would be cleaning the sanctuary. And I said, I just want you to know that there's a body in this sanctuary so don't lose it when you get in there to clean. But thank you, Sister Nancy. But this, this picture here, this visual here is to help you understand uh, the severity of the situation that Martha was in this morning. Uh, John eleven seventeen says, so when Jesus came, so he made his way. He left where he was and he made his way to Bethany. And when he came, uh, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days So by the time he got there, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Verse 20 says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him. All these people had come to the home of Mary and Martha and were comforting them and brought food and stayed with them as you would in a time of mourning. But uh, Martha heard, you know what, Jesus is finally making his way here. So she left that group of people and went out of Bethany to meet him before he actually got into town. And this is the conversation that happened between Martha and Jesus, which when I read it, I thought, "I, I don't know what I would have said, but I can understand why she said this. Now Martha said to Jesus as he was coming there, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Wow, what a difficult conversation to be having with Jesus. She knew that Jesus was able to heal him. She believed that if Jesus had come, her brother would not have died. So here she is talking face to face with Jesus. And she's like, I just want you to know that if you had been here when we thought you were coming, Lazarus would not have died. Uh, Can you feel the hurt inside of her? as She's trying to express to Jesus where she was with this whole situation. But then, this is where I take my text today, but this is what she said. After expressing that to him, she said, but even now, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will do it for you. But even now, I know that. I'm standing here knowing that my brother is gone, and you could have changed this situation, and you didn't. But I want to say that even now, even with all this, I know That whatever you ask of God, God can do it for you. This was a trying situation that she was in. 
maybe even a difficult trial that we could assign Thomas Paine's words to. These are the times that try men's souls. Mary and Martha had waited four days for Jesus to come. Can you imagine what those four days would have been? Four days of torture. Four days of sending their servants out to look to say, hey, is he coming? Is Jesus on his way? Lazarus had already been sick, which would have been difficult for this family. And they sent word to Jesus, knowing that Jesus was fully able to heal Lazarus. They knew that Jesus was their friend. They knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. So surely all these things put together would mean when you heard it, Jesus, you would get up from where you were and come and help us. But that is not what happened. Lazarus died. And immediately his body would have been prepared for burial because of the hot climate in Israel. Very soon after death, his body would have been placed in a tomb, and the tomb would have been sealed. Immediately, the destruction of the body would have begun because the Israelites did not practice embalming or any type of preservation of the body other than to perfume the body with spices and to wrap it. Hence, you see a style that would have been represented in Bible times. As I was preparing for this message, I came across some amazing information that I wanted to share with you I thought was significant. In the New Testament times, without any embalming or preservation of a body, a body would actually putrefy in 72 hours or at the end of three days. By the end of three days in that hot climate, there would have been corruption that would have set into the body and that whole process of decomposition would have begun. And it is worthy to note that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. Lazarus had laid in the tomb for four days. So Martha's concept was there's no hope for him now because even in that period of time, his body would have so become corrupted that there's no hope for him now. And when Jesus, when it was prophesied that Jesus would be in the tomb, Luke 24, 7 says, saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. This actually comes from a prophecy in the Old Testament from David in Psalm 1610, which says, Thou will not leave my soul in hell or in the grave, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Hundreds of years before in the Old Testament, there had been a prophetic word that said the body of Christ, the body of the Messiah, would not go into a state of corruption. And hence, he was raised on the third day. Isn't that amazing? an amazing fact? That the word of God is true, and it does not lie, and it always happens the way the word of God says. Amen. Praise God. Well, back to our story here. Martha had gone out to meet Jesus, and this conversation between them happened right outside of Bethany, and Lazarus was gone for four days. John eleven twenty one. 21, my, my text said, Martha said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know. Even now. Everybody say, even now. Even now. Even now, I know that whatever you ask, God will give it to you. So Jesus said to her, Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know, I know what you're saying, that at the last day, when there's a resurrection, his body will rise again. But Jesus came to her with a truth that she had not understood yet. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. 
Martha, I've come to give you a little bit more word right here that you can live on. Why? Because I am the resurrection and I am the life. I know you believe that at the last day, God can raise your brother up from the dead in that last day resurrection. But I'm telling you that I'm standing here before you now and I am the resurrection. I am the life. Can you imagine that moment of how Martha would have felt hearing those words? He said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he asked her this question, do you believe this? Wow. What a moment for Martha. Do you believe this? She had to make a decision very quick what she believed. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe, here's what I believe, I believe that you are the Christ. What she had known about Jesus, what she had believed about him to be true, what she had seen for other people was all in her heart, but all of a sudden he's standing here before her saying, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Do you believe this? She said, yes, I believe you are the son of God, that you came to the world as the Messiah. The mighty God in Christ, revelation, came into the mind of Martha and she made a bold declaration. Yes, I believe you're the one who can resurrect from the dead. I believe you are the mighty God in Christ standing here before me now. Praise God. What a moment for that woman who is standing there in much pain over the loss of her brother. She said, when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and he's calling for you. Something happened in her, settled in her spirit. What Martha knew and believed about Jesus gave her the ability to have faith, even when she experienced the ultimate disappointment. So today, and this is my message to you, what is faith? What is faith? It's assurance. It's confidence. It's something that underlies visible conditions and guarantees a future possession. It's a way to look into the future and know that God is going to keep his word. Hallelujah. It's an affirmative response to God's will and his word that when he said it, And when he proclaimed it, I have faith to say, yes, this is going to happen. Why? Because the word of God is true and it does not lie. Hallelujah. It's the acceptance of something merely because God has said it. Lord, if you said it, that's enough for me. Oh, come on. I'm trying to help you have some faith here today. You can look at your circumstances and you can say, I do not see how God can answer this prayer. I do not see how this can come through. But I'm calling you today like Martha to say, but even now, even now, in the midst of a circumstance that I don't understand, you are still God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So where does faith actually come from? Where do you get faith? Romans 10 verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That when you hear, when you read, when you receive the word of God, that's when faith comes to you. I want to think, what did Martha actually know? We, we already have some things that she knew, and I want to share those with you. Here's what Martha knew. She knew that whatever Jesus would ask of God, God would give it to him, that he had a direct line to the supernatural. She knew that. She knew that there would be a resurrection of the dead at the last day. She knew that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, which would come into the world. And she knew that Jesus could and would heal people. But here she is standing with a broken heart, trying to reconcile her present circumstances 
with the things that she knew about Jesus. And that's why I've come to you today. Has anybody ever been there where you're like, look, I know what's true. I know what the word of God says. But I am living a situation right now which does not reconcile with the word of God. Have you ever been there where you're looking a situation in the face? You go, no, you know what? This doesn't line up with what I know to be true of God. I don't understand the situation that I'm in. Charles Spurgeon said, faith is sharply tried by a matter of fact. It's easier to have faith when we're seeing the answers, when God is present and active in our situation. Spurgeon said, it's a grand thing to have faith for the present, not bemoaning the past, not dreaming of some future faith which we have, which may yet be ours. But the present hour, listen, is the only time that we really possess The past is gone beyond recall. If it has been filled with faith in God, we can no more live on that faith now than we can live today on the bread that we ate last week. If we ever mean to trust him, Calvary, why should we not do so right now? Since he is as worthy of our belief now as he ever will be. Why? Because that situation's right there in your face and you don't know what to do. How can this be true and God be true? But I can tell you that he is true and his word does not lie. Hallelujah. Jesus was speaking to Martha. He said, I appreciate what you know and believe. I appreciate your faith for the future and I appreciate your faith in the past. But I am the resurrection right now. I am the life. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. So my question to you this morning is, is it possible to have even now faith when your even now is negative? And the answer is yes. Can you live as a person of faith even when the circumstances that you face are very difficult? How? You said, well, how can I do this? By connecting your faith to God's word. It's not just hoping things are going to change. It's not just waking up in the morning and trying to have a positive attitude, which we all need to do. But it's connecting what I know to be true to the word of God. Why? Because this is the thing that will last forever. And this is the thing that will not change. Hallelujah. No matter what my circumstances are or my situation is, this is the thing that's everlasting. Praise God. There's an incredible statement about Abraham in the book of Romans. Romans 4, verses 20 and 21 says, He staggered not. He staggered not. It means he was wholly free from doubt. Wow. Wouldn't that be awesome to live wholly free from doubt? He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Hallelujah. Oh, God, give me that kind of faith. Even now, faith, that what you have promised, you are fully able to perform. Even in these trying times. Come on, Calvary. Even in a place where things don't look quite so great right now. Even when I don't understand the circumstances that I'm in. I don't want to stagger at the promises of God, but I want to be fully persuaded that what he has said he will do, he will do. How? I don't know. Can I give you an explanation? No, I can't, but here's what I know. His word is true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to have that kind of even now faith, a faith that does not waver when life is trying, a faith that withstands the assault of my circumstances. Our relationship with God is a beautifully interactive one. There is a divine exchange that 
takes place when we reach for God in faith. This is really how it works. As I have faith, as I speak in faith, as I have faith, that faith opens up a connection to God because God operates in faith. God works in faith. He heals in faith. He delivers in faith. When I have faith, I open up the opportunity for God to begin to work in my life. As I express faith, as I say, God, your word is true, I give God room to begin to work in my life. That's what faith is. It's a connection between you and God, between you and his promises. So do you have a petition? Do you have something that you're asking God to do? Then just apply some faith to that circumstance in the name of Jesus. How about a long-standing prayer, something you've been praying time after time after time? Next time you pray it, why don't you quote the word of God to that circumstance and say, God, this is what your promise is and this is what you can do. If you have an impossible situation, speak faith to it. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? You've got everything to gain because God operates in faith. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 in the Amplified says this, and I love this verse. Then said the Lord to me, you have seen well. This is God speaking. For I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. Do you wonder what God is doing? He is waiting for you to have faith that he will make good on his word. And he's waiting to perform it. He said, I'm alert and active, waiting to perform my word. Doesn't that excite you? God, you're already working, waiting to perform your word and answer my request. Why? That's who he is. Praise God. Aren't you glad to be in a relationship with a God who's like that? Connected to you, involved in your life, waiting to answer prayer in Jesus' name. My goal today is to help you see whatever circumstance you're in in the light of God's promises for you. Once you take your focus off your circumstances and you focus on the promises in the word of God, then you can operate in faith. And you, once you actively engage in faith, anything is possible. I want to share with you that I have lived this. I think I learned it the hard way. It wasn't that it was intuitive, and I've always known this since I was a child, but I have learned these truths and how to operate in this really out of desperation. Uh, 18 years ago, I'm going to show you a packet of verses. 18 years ago, these verses on these cards, I began praying these verses to try and understand the will of God and what it would be for my life and for my kids. The, The date on this card is, the first card is February 6, 2002, We had still lived in Troy at that point, and we were in the process of trying to make some decisions about our future, and I was up against an even-now situation. I did not know what to do. I didn't see any way in front of me. But I gathered these verses, and I would go to the church in Troy. I dropped my kids off at school in the morning, and I would go to the church in Troy and walk that sanctuary and quote these verses until eventually... I became fully confident that God had a plan and he would show it to me. I had no idea what it was, but I knew that he would do it. Within a short period of time, in April, I put my house on the market in April, on April 16th. And I sold my house in one day. And God relocated our family to here. And we have now been here 18 years. What I'm telling you is when you don't, 
when you have a circumstance in front of you that you can't get around, this is the answer. The word of God is the answer. This packet of verses is from 2004 in this little zippy. I, Ziploc, whatever it is there, I what got very sick in 2004, and June 19th, 2004, and I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And it was a very scary time for our family. I needed healing. But every day, I got these verses on healing and began to quote them until I believed that God could and would take care of me and heal my body. It took six months, but by the end of December, I was fully free of every symptom I had from sarcoidosis, which is an autoimmune disease. And I have lived now from 2004 until the present and never had one reoccurrence of that. It is glory to God. Because once you're diagnosed with an autoimmune disease like that, they tell you, you have this for the rest of your life. And I have never suffered. Yeah, it's a journey of faith. When, you're, when you have an impossible situation, you have a decision to make. What am I go- how am I going to face this? Uh, these are scriptures that have been on my refrigerator for the last 18 months, laminated and put out. We were facing some situations in our family. We just needed God to come through. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every time I open the fridge, so I've quoted this many times. <laughs> How about this one? I was young, Psalm 37, I was young and now I'm old. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> I should have cut out that first part. Yet, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Every day, opening that fridge, okay, God, this is what we believe. Why? Because this is what your word says. I'm not just conjuring this up in my mind. This is what you said, God. You said that you would not leave us, that you would not forsake us, that you would take care of us. And as I have faith, I open up the opportunity for God to be involved in my life. Hallelujah. I want to thank Pastor Kristen. This is my little verse of the week book. Every week this year, she's given us a verse. There's been a verse of the week for the Calvary Church, and I've quoted and read those verses claiming the word of God for me, for this church, for my family. Why? Because I tell you what's true. The word of God is true. We are living in trying times, people. This circumstance that you're in might not look very good, but I'm challenging you like Martha to look at that circumstance and say, but even now, here's what I know. Even now I know this. Hallelujah. Oh, you have to do the work of finding out what God's word says. That's the hard part. You have to do the work of finding out what God's word says about your situation. But once you nail it, then you quote it, you speak it, You recite it, you search it, you pray it until faith opens up for you. Hallelujah. There are literally thousands of promises in God's word. And I want to give you some even now promises that you can link your faith to this morning. If you have not yet been baptized or filled with the power of the Holy Ghost... I want to let you know that his promise is for you. Hallelujah. 1 John 1.19 says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. Hallelujah. How about Acts chapter 2, verse 38? Then Peter said to them, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There are people among the Calvary family right now that want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And even in the midst of this pandemic and social distancing, God is not limited to what he can do. And I said, this promise is for every believer in the name of Jesus. And not only for them, but for your children. Hallelujah. Acts 2. 39 for the promise is unto you do any of you have family that are not saved i declare to you today the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the lord our god shall call i'm not just saying that that is his promise to you hallelujah second peter 3 9 says he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance what about if you need strength and courage this morning? Isaiah 41, 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, do you feel the strength from the word of God today? Let your faith hook up with the word of God and see what God will do for you. What about provision? Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Even now. Even now. What about if you need direction? Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says, And your ear will hear a voice behind you, saying, This is the way. Walk in it. You're worried about what to do next? You're worried about where to go? Then take your faith and link it to this promise. God, you said, this is what you said, that I would hear a voice right behind me saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Isaiah 42, 16 says, And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not, and I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I've seen him do it so many times. And what about healing? James chapter 5, verse 14 says, Is any sick among you? Then let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. There are many people right now who are suffering and need healing, and I have been calling their names in prayer, knowing that God can and will heal in the name of Jesus. First Peter 2.24, By whose stripes... You were healed. Amen. If you'll stand as we're coming to a close here this morning. I just felt this morning to ask you, is there anybody here that is facing a a tough situation, an even now situation, where you need God to be the resurrection and the life? You need God to be at work in your situation. You need, you need faith to apply to the situation that you're in to say, even now, I need God in this situation. Would you raise your hand? Is there anybody here that you're facing a situation that you feel like you need faith? Can you keep it up for a minute here? We have several people. Here's what. I know that we're operating under social distancing, but today we are going to pray for one another. So here's what I want you to do. Those of you who have a need, keep your hand up. 
I want you to turn around and find someone. Don't move out of your pew, but find someone whose hand is up. You're going to face them and begin to pray for them. We do that now. Why? Because we need each other. We need to pray for one another. We need to connect with one another and know that in faith God can do it. There's some real needs among us here today. Calvary, would you pray with me right now in the name of Jesus? Lord, you see the hands that are up among our congregation. God, not just here, but people that are watching or listening online, people that are home, people that are suffering, people that are sick. We've got some even now situations going on. We need changes for jobs. We need financial help help. God, we need you to be the resurrection and the life. We need you to get involved in the situations that people are in right now. We extend our hand to those, God, that are saying today that they have a need, and we stand here in agreement with them, knowing, God, that you can do anything. Hallelujah. That nothing is impossible with you. We take your word, and we apply it in the name of Jesus. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.